Now, listen to this. While I teach, if you have any kind of ailment, and you'll be seeking the Father for, believe that through the word, you'll be set free. He sent for the world and the world delivered them. And the Bible says while he was teaching, the power of God was present to heal. He hasn't changed. Maybe one word that will come to be for you. So be attentive and follow what God is going to be saying now. You may not hear everything I'm going to say, but you may hear what pertains to your life. And that is what's going to bring the transformation. Amen? Okay. Now, I just want us to go to the slide. This is part four of what we're discussing on the greater glory. Amen? We've been able to define the glory of God. We've been able to give all the definitions. I'm not going to go back to all of that. You need to get the CDs and go through. And, uh, but just to recap it, we have already said that the ark was supposed to be the first place where God resided. And then, in terms of manifesting his glory, and then from there, but in terms of human uh, our temple, the first temple was Adam. Do you understand it? In terms of human temples, the first temple was Adam. Is that okay? Second temple was Jesus Christ. I want you to also understand that, that the third temple was supposed to be you and myself. Is that all right? Okay. But when we're talking about where God speaks from, in terms of, you know, because Jesus made a statement, he said, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. Is that okay? All right. And then we also do understand that God was speaking from the ark. So you now see that God was revealing his glory through the ark. And that the glory that Jesus revealed was the Father residing in him because it was a temple. According to John, I think, chapter 2, remember that? He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Bible says he was speaking of the temple of his body. You can remember that? Okay, fine. So, first temple, we can see in the human composition, that is temple not made with hands. We're looking at Adam, we're looking at Jesus, and then the last point is going to be the saints. Is that okay? All right. Now, I want to go on tonight and begin to make you see some things. And uh, the subtopic for tonight is declaring the seasons of God. I would like you to understand that because it's very, very crucial in relation to the manifestation of the glory of God as it relates to his temple, as it relates to those that God has put in position or that God has drawn to himself and have built and have equipped precisely to be able to reveal this glory. And it's very important. Now, if you look at this declaring the new season of God, is already connected to inaugurating the temple. Remember, when the temple was finished and building, the temple of Moses, the glory came. Is that okay? That means anytime the glory showed up, in a new season of God, it was an inauguration service. Is that okay? Of not just a new temple, but a new day. I want you to, I want you to understand that. Moses finished the temple. Now, he said before then, there was nothing like that. Is that okay? Okay, now, he finished the temple, God wants to reside with his people. Because one of the major significant of the temple and the ark was God's presence in the midst of his people. So now, when the temple was finished in construction, the Bible says, the glory came. That means a new order was being inaugurated. And the glory also is symbolic of the fact that God accepted the temple to dwell in there. Are you catching this? All right. Now, let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter number 5. And I'll read verse 11. Down to... Verse 14. And to me, what I'm about to share with you is very, very significant. Very, very. Now, I read in verse 11. And the Bible says, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by cause. Watch this. If you know what it means to wait by cause, it means... You know, the Levites were divided into courses. Courses here means, okay, maybe you officiate for one day and you go out, another group comes in. 
Do you understand that? Now, oh, thank you, Lord. Now you can understand also why Paul said, I'll finish my course. That which was allotted to him, he accomplished. Did you get that? Okay, fine. Uh, you can see also why Zachariah, if you read it, the Bible says, he was in his own course from the tribe of, you know, the king just said Abia, but actually it's, it's supposed to be Abiata. Is that okay? Uh, Abia happens to be the only, only state in the Bible, and that's a good one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we have so many priests from Abia. Okay, so now he was in his own course. Are you getting this? All right, so that's what it means here. Now, but here the Bible is saying they were not on courses. And that tells me something. We come to a place where it's a corporate work. No longer a place of division. The season to inaugurate God's temple must come to the place of a corporate work with one mind and one spirit, not divisions. Okay. And it said, all the priests we are there, I mean, were present and sanctified and did not then wait by cause. Also, the Levite group are the singers, all of them, of Asap, of Haman, of Dedentum, with their sons and the brethren being arrayed in white linen, righteousness, having seen birds and zombies run half stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. How many peers? 120. Now I want you to catch that because it's very important. Is that okay? Somebody's already getting this. <laughs> Those who sounded a trumpet were supposed to be how many people? 120. And they were priests, not on courses. Hmm? Now, don't you forget, they are about to inaugurate the temple. Because when they sounded the trumpet, if you read on the Bible, and I said, year after the glory came. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, and it came to pass, that verse 13. It came even to pass as a trumpet and singer was as one. One accord. To make one sound. To be heard. Everybody that came to Jerusalem. How they sound. When they begin to speak. One language. But everybody begin to hear. And we will come to that. But just follow it. Is that okay? That's why some people say. Well the Old Testament I don't believe in it. Fine. If you really want to make things work. If you believe in double witness. People like us. You must know that the two books go together. Hmm? Are you still there? Everything we see here is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Did you get that? Why? Because another season is to be inaugurated. Okay. So now, and the Bible says, thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For his good, for his message, endure it forever, that then the house was filled with what? With a cloud, even the house of the Lord. So that a priest could not enter to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord will fill the house of God. Hallelujah. Now I want you to see those simple things that are connected in this move. As God was about to come to fill his temple. The priesthood with his 120 came together. And they sounded a trumpet with one voice, one accord, one spirit. And the glory of the Lord came in. It means a people are going to arise once again. That we stand on the prophetic platform to release destiny to creation. Because they are going to come with one sound, one voice, one unity. There is not going to be division. There is not going to be people doing their own thing. It's one spirit, one voice, one mind, one tongue. And the glory will come. Not all these divisions we have. No, no, no. So the gospel is one message. So when he said, okay, my message is faith. My message is prosperity. My message is healing. My message is talking tongue. My message is, no. It's one message. Message of the kingdom. Hallelujah. 
Now let's get let's get a right from Acts chapter one. Don't you forget those who were in the upper room. I mean, how many people? How many priests were there? One twenty priests. Is that okay? Okay. Now let's look at Acts chapter one and verse number fifteen. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, "Now the scripture again came." The number of names together were about what? A hundred and twenty. Did you see anything interesting here? <laughs> that means this new season. To me, one twenty. Uh, sometimes people, okay, well, maybe this is one twenty-one or something. The number of sin. Well, I don't know, but to me, one twenty is priesthood. That's to me. I, know, I mean. I'm not dealing with numerology here, but to me, 120 is priesthood. Because I find 120 blowing the trumpet, 120 in the upper room. Is that all right? Okay. Now, Acts chapter 2. Let's see something very quickly before I say what I have to say here. Acts chapter 2. Amen. Verse 1. I well did the day of Pentecost fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Now what happened when the upper room, I mean, the temple was to be inaugurated? They had one voice. Did you get that? Now, those in the upper room, how many people are there? 120. They were in one place, then the spirit had not come down, but they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. Hallelujah. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, does it look like what we just read in the book of Chronicles? Hallelujah. Verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Are the spirit give them what? Utterance. Now I want you to see something put together here. The priest, the 120 priests that were speaking, the same language sounded the same. I mean, what the Bible said they have one mind and they sound the same sound. In other words, there was harmony in what they were producing. Is that okay? There was harmony. I'm trying to make you see how God's glory moves. How we can bring it down. The song was... With one accord. In other words, there was harmony. There was no disunity. Jointedness. Everything was one. In the upper room, the same thing. They came together, one voice, one mind. And they waited in one place. By implication, not necessarily have to be in the upper room. But to be in one place means to be in the position that God has ordained that you should be. For Simon was standing in his place. You should be standing in your place, mean you are standing in that which you are called to do. There is no, you know, schism, there is no jealousy, there is no barbiting. You stand in your place. You know precisely where you belong. You know what God called you to do. But in the same spirit, you are in agreement with your brother who is also standing in his place. And so you're having one mind. Now, you can see a liberal principle of it. If any two of you shall agree as touching anything, or mind. And the Bible says, as they were together, the Bible says the sun came and then the Holy Ghost came. They begin to speak in tongues. Now, I'm not going to against tongues. Everybody should know that. I speak in tongues too. I believe that. But listen closely. The tongue they spoke here was completely different from the tongue we speak in church today. Is that all right? The church we speak in talk today is for edification of the church, especially when there is interpretation. But if there is no interpretation, it edified yourself and not the church. And that is why it is important most often that when you speak in tongues in the church, somebody should be there to interpret. Now, when you speak in tongues and there's interpretation, it becomes prophecy. Is that okay? But when you are on your own worshiping, you can speak in all of those languages. There's no problem there. But the tongue that they spoke here is completely different. This tongue was a tongue that every other person could understand. They were talking 
Let us assume I'm speaking in my own language, in Soko language, and somebody who is a Yoruba man can understand me, somebody who is an outsider can understand me, Ikwere man can understand me, but I'm speaking my own dialect. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying? Now, what is the mystery of this? Why was it so? Why did it happen that way? This is the beginning of the restitution of all things. Listen to this. In, in the book of Genesis chapter 11, when all the people came together to build a tower unto heaven, the Bible says God confounded the language of the people so that they can't understand one another. So what God confounded in Genesis 11, he reestablished in Acts chapter 2. By implication, time has come in the restitution of all things that we can or we are supposed, let me not use the word we can, we are supposed to understand one another. Our languages are not supposed to be different. If we truly need to inaugurate the new season, our languages are not supposed to be different. We speak the same language. We believe in the same thing because it has to be in one accord. Are we together? And the Bible says when this happened, the glory came. Now this can transmit into families. Husband and wife and children are green and glory comes to their home. Somebody say, how can that be? Oh, you need to go find out from Colinius. There wasn't fasting and praying for the Holy Ghost. But he came. Because the children were responding. His neighbors responded. He just invited everybody. They were all in one accord. So you find that when people are united in one spirit, the miraculous takes place. Even when they don't ask for it. Can I hear an amen to that? Now there's another thing I want to make you see. In this experience in the upper room, 120 were there. And this was supposed to be the beginning of Pentecost. Remember that? Okay. But see it this way. All the people that were in Jerusalem that day were not just 120. And remember, that was supposed to be time of the Feast of Pentecost. So in the natural, religiously, people were really worshipping and observing Pentecost in the temples. But the new temple of God was to be inaugurated. And it took just 120 to cast that experience first. And when the 120 came out of that experience, the rest of the city caught the fire. Are you getting this? Now, I want you to see what even happened within the spirit. Because the harvest is coming. And I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say. Peter came and preached one message after this experience. How many were converted? What about in Neze also? Everything put together, 8,000 people. That's excluding children and women. Now, I don't know why God wasn't counting these people. Now, one of the major reasons because, but do you know that? Come on, do you know this record, men and women and, women and children and all those included? Have you noticed that? 5,000 men, excluding women and children. So, I don't know why, but I have a reason, I think. Because women and children don't go to war. Help me, Lord. Did you get that? Hallelujah. I mean, are you there with me? Women and children don't do what? They don't go to war. If you watch precisely the Old Testament, anytime they want to number the people, they can't only men. And that is even men who can go to war. So I think that could be the reason. I'm sure I'm just saying that right now. Amen. Praise the living God. So, here we go. Now, the Bible says, now I'm just telling you of what has just happened. Just because of this practical experience, and one man came, and remember, the sermon of, of Peter was just a recounting of history. He wasn't preaching a new revelation. He was just talking history, and men's hearts were being pricked, and men were being converted. What did he do? Nothing. It was a new day. Do you understand this? Now, understand another principle there. 120 in the upper room, not the whole city. Now, they caught an experience that become an envy of those who were not there. Because when Peter began to speak, the Bible said, people said, say they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus, though he was an ignorant man. By implication, he didn't go to the school of Gamaliel. So, but they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. In other words, they were admiring them because they were not a new crop of people in their midst. 
They have been staying with them, but by reason of this experience, they become new people, different people entirely. Now they begin to envy them. And because of the envy, because of the life that they were not living, people were not coming to the Lord. What am I trying to make you understand? If you know that there is a feast of Passover, which is what everybody have experienced in terms of, well, we're becoming uh, believers, receiving the blood as that of salvation and redemption, whatever the case may be. Just want to put that. There is also another feast, which is the Feast of Pentecost. Are you still there with me? Now you see, nobody, even you, all of us didn't come to Pentecost until a few people tested it and demonstrated it, and we are now coming. Now, the few people, which is the 120 that demonstrated Pentecost, are type of a false fruit. A false fruit of the harvest of Pentecost. We are harvesting Pentecost right now, but there was a false fruit of the harvest of Pentecost. Are you getting this? Even so, what am I trying to make you see? In the Feast of Tabernacles, there is going to be a crop of priests again that will test it and demonstrate it and the rest of creation will become envious and they want to come to the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody say, when will that happen? I don't know. Because the time and the season that God has placed in his hand, they are all in his hand. You remember that? The instruction that Jesus gave, just wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. And if you know that even tabernacle is a promise, we should be tired of waiting, waiting. Because the time and the season, we don't know. But the key thing is God is raising the people all over the world today with an insight and an understanding that we all shine a new day, a new season that creation will see. What am I declaring to you? The feast of tabernacle is a reality. And when it begins to happen, even your husband or your wife can partake of it and you'll be surprised to discover that the person you are staying with doesn't need food anymore, doesn't need medicine anymore. He's staying with you, no sickness. The body is glowing. Things are happening around him. When he talks, anything. Listen to me. I'm talking about the people that can walk through the walls. And somebody say, how did you get that? You need to ask Jesus when he rose from the grave. Yeah. The disciples were in the room. They were afraid. He showed up in their midst. And they thought he was a ghost. And he said, no, 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 no. Ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. Yeah. So I'm talking about the body of flesh and bones. Not flesh and blood. Yeah, you're living with flesh and blood. That's why you eat every day. But I'm talking about living by the spirit of God. Listen, the body that Adam had before he fell was not a body of flesh and blood. It was flesh and bones. And that's where God is taking us back to. Now some people are going to demonstrate it. Just like Pentecost of faith demonstrated by 120 in the upper room to usher in the new season. That is the way it's going to be exactly that some people will first taste it in this world. Not flying away anywhere. Right here. If Passover happened here, if Pentecost happened here, tabernacles will happen here. Don't care who wants to believe this or not. This is the truth. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Verse number 1. I read. Hallelujah. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Amen. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house or the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with faces to the ground upon the paper and worship and praised the Lord saying, for his good, his mercy endured forever. I said, this is the very same worship in the upper room. Hallelujah. While they were worshiping in the upper room, the glory came. Solomon was worshiping, the glory came. You must come to the place of understanding this. When people come together in true worship, I remember the Quakers. This group of people, they call them the Quakers. What did they do? Anytime they come to fellowship, they just sit down. 
And all of them have their minds said that the Holy Spirit will soon come. And sooner or later, everybody will begin to vibrate. Begin to vibrate. The Holy Spirit really comes to them. Why? They believe in one accord. It's not matter. They were not coming there to sing. They just come and sit down quietly and wait for the move of the Holy Spirit. And because of the way they were shaking and vibrating, because of the impartation of the Holy Spirit, they called them Quakers. I think we need more Quakers today. Hallelujah. People who come to serve you with expectation, knowing that they are coming to meet with God. The fellowship is not a place of social gathering. It's not a social gathering. It's a place to interact and to encounter God. It's a place for change and transformation. Am I talking to somebody here? These guys were in the upper room, 120 of them in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came. They were one accord, one spirit, one mate. It can happen again. Hallelujah. So how is the new season to be delivered or declared? Now let's move on. Don't forget the principle I gave to you in the book of 2 Chronicles 120. Can you remember that? Give it sound. One unified sound. I mean, good harmony. All right. Then 120 in the upper room. Now look at this in, in, in mighty 24 verse 31. Hallelujah. Mighty 24 verse 31, the Bible says, And he shall send his angel with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four wings, from one end of heaven to what? To the other. What great sound of a trumpet? This way people get confused. They talk about trumpet and they think, ba, 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 ba. to happen, grace begin to open. Okay, fine, grace will open. Your grace will open. And I don't mean the ones in cemetery. How many of you know that religious people are men who are in dead men's bones? Jesus said in the book of Luke, Spirit of the Pharisees. He said, you are white sacrifices. You understand that? He said, and you carry with you dead men's bones. Why? They were religious people without life. Okay. The sound of the voice will definitely open your grave. It means your life will come alive again. And Jesus said the same thing. Now shall they, they hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall do what? Shall leave. And the gold and the grave shall rise again. What am I trying to say? Religion that kept you bound will set you free when you begin to hear the sound, which is a re-sound from heaven. Amen. And God is saying he will send his angels, not, not angels with wings. He will send his messengers. He will send his elect. Am I talking to somebody? And listen to me. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, across the universe today, men are rising with this method that I'm declaring to you. And everywhere in our continent, one person is rising. Because God has always said this, I will never leave myself without a witness in every generation. So it doesn't matter who believe it now. But we are moving towards something. We are moving towards a place of power. We are moving towards a place of glory. Now let me explain this to you. If only one Pentecostal experience, about 8,000 people gave their life one day, what are we talking about? We we're just discussing that yesterday. Listen, I believe, and I always say, I believe in science and wonders. I believe in miracles. I've experienced miracles myself. Okay? Hallelujah. But the greater works, no. If that's why you claim to be the miracles, I mean, that's why you claim to be the greater works, I don't agree with you. In true sense of it. Who has done one bit of what Jesus did? If you like, let legs grow, let whatever. Even, can you imagine Jesus telling Peter to walk on water? Can you tell somebody to walk on water? Now, you say, greater work shall you do. I explained this to you, I think, yesterday. What is the greater works? There is going to be an expansion of the word of God. There's going to be an expansion of the ministry of Jesus through his body in all the world. Because he was limited to Palestine. And he said, would that exclude miracles? Not at all. I'm even talking of super miracles. I'm not talking of miracles of raising somebody and will die again. I'm not talking of raising you from sickness and for sickness tomorrow. I'm talking of bringing you to the place where the life you receive will be permanent life. I will never go back to the life you went from. Do you understand this? The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that it shall be called the ministers of God. What does it mean to be minister of God? Often we say that. You see somebody in the street say, ah, what are you saying? I'm a minister of God. Are you sure? Minister of God doesn't mean you carry the Bible. Uh-huh. Let me explain. If you say minister of education, for instance, you are simply saying 
He carries the portfolio of education and the definition of that portfolio simply means he wants to eradicate illiteracy from the country. Does it make sense to anybody? Minister of Health. Okay. It means you don't want anybody in their country to be sick anymore. That is the excess of you being a minister of health. Are you sitting there with me? Now, it means you are dispensing health. You are dispensing education. So if you are a minister of God, what do you distribute? There you are. You distribute God. Now God doesn't die. So if I give you God in the true sense of as a minister of God, then you can't die anymore. Does it make sense? So when the Bible says it shall be called the ministers of God, that's what I'm trying to make you see. A time comes. Listen, listen, listen. In the ministry of Jesus, on the other side, when I say on the other side, understand me, in his earthly ministry, he raised Lazarus from the grave. Am I correct? But Lazarus died again. Because that was not the ultimate. That was not the original. That was not. Is anybody following this? Corruption was still there. But in this new order that we are moving into, no corruption. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Okay. Now, watch this. So, when we say ministers shall go out, angels shall go out, you're not talking about angels that have wings. I'm talking about ministers of God that God is going to send across the globe. A time is coming, people of God, and I want to believe into that. You may not need an airplane to go to another city to preach. Hallelujah. Somebody say, hey, David, what are you talking about? Mm. You need to go back and find out from Philip, who after ministering in Samaria, he finds himself in Azotus. How did he get there? He didn't use a camel, he didn't use a donkey, but he finds himself in Azotus and continued the ministry. Am I talking to somebody here? The season is coming, the time is coming. I'm giving you a hope that can be realized. I'm telling you what is the truth about the gospel of Christ. The fact that you can't see it now doesn't mean it's not real. In fact, if you're walking by your side, then you lack faith as a natural man of thinking. I'm talking about the things that God has put on ground that are going to manifest at the appointed time and season, which are also in the hands of God. I'm not telling you to go away. I'm telling you to be strong. Believing in your faith. That you have to realize what God has given to you. And of course, the beginning of this is you living in divine health. Are you still there? All these sicknesses bombarding us every day. There are no good testimonies. Huh? There are no good testimonies. There are no testimonies at all. One bit. Men in the wilderness without the Old Testament with the glory that was fading, their shoes were not worn out. None of them was feeble. There was no nurse there. Sorry, baby. Huh? <laughs> Praise the living God. You see, no nurse there. But yeah, we say that is a glory that is fading away. We got something better. What is happening to us? Now, we love all this pray for me, pray for me thing. Oh, we must come to the place. I wish above all things that you may live in health. And prosper, even as your soul do what? Prosper it. That is better than lay hands on my head because I'm sick. Tired of all these things. How long are we going to continue? People enjoy it. Okay, fine. For those outside the faith, I think I should like that. Yes, they can come in. We do that for them. But for us in the faith, sickness should go away from our tabernacles. We can't continue to be discussing these things. We can't continue to be... No, 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 no. Lay hands on people because they are sick. I'm tired of it. Does it make sense? Every day you go to the hospital, the doctor is on the sick bed. Patient is on the sick bed. Oh, come on. What a testimony is this? Now tell me, how will the doctors help the patient? We went to look for Dr. A. What is doctor? I said, ah, he's on oxygen. <laughs> Glory to God. They said there's a patient here that needs urgent nature. They look for Dr. B. Oh, it's on drip. Now tell me the kind of hospital. You discharge your patient from there. And I think that's what we're experiencing today. Kevin, are you getting what I'm saying? No, no, no. We must press in. God has to help us somehow. You see, there, is, there have to be a desire in your heart, God. I must get out of this life. 
I must get out of this kind of condition. I mean, it's no testimony. Hmm? You go to homes of Christians, believers for 100 years, and the whole place is full of drugs. Some of our homes are like chemistry. Why? Because we're not healthy. No, 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 no. It's not a testimony. I hate it with passion. And God knows my heart for this. Because how can a sick man help a sick man? Hmm? And the Bible says, Savior shall arise out of man's hand. Now, saviors are needing help anymore. Even the same saviors are needing help. God will help us. Amen. We have the right desire. And God will grant you the desires of your heart. Amen. So something is going to happen to us. Amen. Can I hear a light amen to that? Yeah. Now, the first fruits, the first crop of people. If you look at the book of, I don't have time to quote that, but you know, in the book of Revelation 13, the Bible talks about 14 in particular. It says, they were standing, the 144,000 were standing with the lamb on Mount Zion. You remember that? Who is the lamb? Jesus Christ. Is that okay? So what is 144? If you go down the Bible test, the 144 are your first fruits. Am I right? If there is first fruit unto God, it means there is a harvest. Because in harvesting the first fruit, it's only a symbol of the fact that other crops will also be what? Harvested. I'm discussing with you today the final harvest. That everything that we can ever demonstrate, creation will come into it. Who is a teacher in the first place? Teacher in the school is a man who passed through certain levels of educational training. Am I right? Then he comes back and becomes what? A teacher. And that's what I'm trying to make you see. You have to first taste this. You go back to the church, to the world, to bring people to your own level of spiritual experience. While we become first fruits, we must believe that there is a final harvest of the entire crops. Is that okay? Then I say about the find that the first fruit are dangerous people. Bearing and carrying the power and the glory of the Father to the rest of creation. For their redemption, restitution, and reconciliation. That is a function of the first fruit people. 144,000 doesn't mean like my people will teach. It doesn't mean 144 will be raining somewhere. That's not what he's talking about. 144, how do you get 144 in the first place? 144 is simply 12 times 12 squared by the day of the Lord, which is 1,000. Amen? A day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. Did the Bible say so? The day of the Lord is reckoned in thousands. And 12, basically, is the number of government. And basically, is God's government or the kingdom of God. So when you say 12, I mean 144, is simply 12 times 12 squared by 1,000. You have your 1,000, I mean 144,000 which has to do with the people that God have redeemed and empowered and endued with that grace to go into the world and redeem the rest of creation. Praise the living God. That means the divine government of God is going to be released through a people. That's the 144,000, the first fruit. The 120 in the upper room was a type of first fruit I'm talking with you now. Is that okay? Now, for us to experience immortality, for us to experience what we are supposed to move in there within Feast of Tabernacles, we are still going to have a first fruit company that will first experience it. And from that experience, they will come and teach the rest of creation what they have experienced. How many of you have read in the Bible where the Bible says, people will come to you and say, show us your God? Have you read that before? Okay. I mean, I want, you, I want to understand. Now, I'm not against prosperity. That's a fine thing. But do you think somebody in the world today will come and meet you and show us your God because you are a prosperous man? I don't think so. Because like my brother would say, if you go somewhere like Dubai, you, you, you can't be talking about prosperity. What do you need that for? 
Everybody is living cool. It's only here in Africa where we're struggling and politicians are ripping all the cash and then making mess of us. Otherwise, everywhere, go to major places where, I mean, money is flowing and the economy is fine. You can be talking to people about prosperity. They're wondering what kind of gospel you're preaching. But poverty makes us swallow everything. Swallow olive oil, swallow good peace, anything. Because you want to prosper. Hallelujah. Don't need all of that to prosper. Amen? Amen. Science does not only follow. This thing shall also follow you and overtake you. Did the Bible say so? Yeah. So if you keep my word, do diligently, this thing shall come and overtake you. Money should overtake us. And we pursue money. Every day you sleep, you don't think well because of money. Let's look at the result of this corporate, corporate trumpeting. I call it corporate trumpeting. What I mean is we are speaking in one voice, one language. I wish pastor can catch what I'm talking about. If we be the priests of God, can we really come to the place of having a corporate trumpeting that can herald the new season of God? You can blame the rest of the body when the pastors can't even cooperate to themselves. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Isaiah 55, let's look at verse 5. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that knoweth not, and a nation that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God. Now he's speaking to the church, speaking to the Holy One of Israel, for he had done what? Glorify thee. Hallelujah. Because the Holy One of God have glorified thee, glorified Zion. And men shall run into it. Men shall come into it. That's what I mean by the government of God shall be upon thee. The mountain of the Lord shall be exalted above the mountains. Remember that? And the other mountain will flow into the mountain of the Lord. That's what I'm talking about here. Let's look at Joel. Time is running. Joel 2. Hallelujah. 23. Say, be glad there, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For I have given you the former rain moderately. What's the former rain? Pentecost. And it shall cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. In other words, same power of Pentecost plus double dose, if you will. The fullness, not a measure, shall come unto you. Hallelujah. The early rain after a dry season when brooks are dried up in Palestine is the autumn rain. The first rains that are welcomed, but the latter rain was the spring rain and was for the maturing of the crops. What did he say was going to give to us? The latter rain. What does the latter rain do? To mature the crops. And what happens after the crops are matured? You get into harvest. Did you follow the principle? Hallelujah. So let's look at Act 1, 6 to 11. And I think I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. Act 1, 6 to 11. Because that was the moderate rain. I mean, that was the rain that came. The initial rain, if you will. Act 1, 6 to 11. He left in a cloud, like we said before. And he comes back in the cloud. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Same process, but greater results. Pentecost was simply the former rain. And tabernacles, the latter rain. Pentecost brought a uniting tongues. The beginning of the restitution of all things as compared to Genesis 11. The Tower of Babel with the confusion of tongues. Is that okay? I'm just trying to give you simple things so that when you go back home, you can begin to walk. Because I see something happening. As we begin to understand these things, I believe into them. I see something happening. I see God moving to our lives, to our system, to our bodies, to our homes, to our corporate churches. I see something happening. As we begin to know that God, no, 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 no. Listen, even Pentecost as it were, Azusa experience, it was the people that collectively came together to agree, to pray, to fast, and it came. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? God will grant you the desires of your heart. My cry today is, how can we get people to come into this belief and to begin to proclaim it and pull it down so that men can see that there is something greater than Pentecost? That's my desire. That's my body. That is my heart cry. But we have all settled for Pentecost. 
Whereas in Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, we know we have three major feasts in Israel. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Passover is the experience, the lamb that was slain for us. Everybody have experienced the Feast of Passover. Not even all Christians today have experienced Pentecost. No, 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 no. Am I saying the truth? Good. But that's another experience that you must get into after you receive your Passover experience. But it doesn't stop there. The other day, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, are you a Pentecostal? I said, no. Uh, he said, so what are you? I said, primarily, I'm a child of God. Then if anything to be added, I'm a tabernacles. He said, which one is that one? I said, it's the third one. The one you I'm a tabernacle. I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm a tabernacles. Are you getting what I'm talking about? How do I limit myself with my thinking and confession on what God is doing? God is saying, I have something more for you. And you say, no, no, I want to settle here. No, I don't want to be like Peter. Peter said, let's stay here. Is that okay? No, we got to move forward. We got to follow what God is saying. So I'm not a Pentecostal. But that is not to say I can't speak in tongues. I believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not a Pentecostal. Don't put me in the bracket there. Praise the living God. Why do you think you have the Pentecostal? Because I experienced some things which other people don't experience. Then why not you claim you are a Passover too? Nobody say Passover. Those are Pentecostal. They feel they got it all. But here comes the tabernacle people. Hallelujah. Completely different from Pentecost. We are getting Passover Pentecost in addition. Am I talking to somebody? I'm talking about the fullness. Not half measure. Not just, not just endless of the gift of the spirit. I'm talking about the fullness. And I'm saying it is real. If you came and worship. Now, look at Hosea. Hosea 3. Look at what he's telling me. Then shall we know. If we follow on to know the Lord. Oh, we already know the Lord. But if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as a morning. And it shall come unto us as what? As the rain. As the latter rain. Former rain unto the earth. Can you see that? Rain. Latter rain. Former rain. Put together. Fullness. Not one rain. Not just the beginning of rains. The former and the latter rain put together. It's what we're talking about. Man, this is the river of Ezekiel where you swim in. Not ankle, not waist. You swim. Are you getting this? All of your body, you swim in this. That's what I'm saying. You can't be yourself anymore when this experience comes to us. We've got to follow on. The Bible says follow on. Listen, I'm not talking about the gift of the Spirit. I'm talking about the Spirit. Am I talking to somebody here? First Corinthians 12 talks about the gift of the Spirit. But Jesus never walked with the gift of the Spirit. He walked with the Spirit. You know that? Oh, Isaiah. You know, Isaiah 11, the Bible says? The Spirit of, the spirit of mind. Not the gift of cancer. The Spirit of cancer. The Spirit of mind. The Spirit. Are you getting that? The Spirit. The Spirit. He walked even in his natural life. He never walked with the gift of the Spirit. He walked with the Spirit. So you can see the gift of discernment. But God, Jesus walked with the Spirit of discernment. Did you see the difference? Not gift, but fool. Hallelujah. That's why our prophecies are not balanced. Because we walk with the gift of prophecy. But if the spirit of prophecy comes straight. Are you getting this picture? You have to, you have to. Every gift you are operating now, I want to create a hunger in your heart tonight. You have to strive to come to the spirit of it and not the gift of it. Mm? Are you still following what I'm talking about? People of God, this is where we're going into. And a new season is what I'm proclaiming. That something is about to happen. And God is touching people across the land. Understanding is coming to people. And you pastors, I want to challenge you. Come into this understanding. You shall be on the demand. Because people will know. I want to make you say a lot of people are tired of what is going on. They are tired. 
Men who are supposed to be seen, they are tired. They need something fresh. They need something new. We have stagnated even in Pentecost. Now we dance around, little things, shouting, making noise. Nothing. Nothing fresh is coming in. People already know the message you want to preach anytime you come to church. They know. Remember the other day, man was preaching on TV and he was just talking. In January, I'm blessed. In February, I'm blessed. In March, I'm blessed. What is all this? Count all the 12 months. The hour is running. The hour is going. It's just counting from January to December. What, what kind of stuff is this? Huh? Nothing. And, and here where people shouting, hey, yes, hey, yes. January, yes. February, yes. What's wrong with you? Because there's nothing to offer anymore. And the guy was running around the temple. Running around, running around. They were shouting. Shouting. Some are even, some are even waving, shouting. Because they are counting January. Don't you know how to count January? Must you go to church to count January to, to February? Then to December? What is wrong with us? What am I trying to make you understand? Pastors, I, can you please wake up? You need to get into this challenge. You need to come to something and think, no, I know there is something deeper and deeper than this. I know there is something greater than this. We can, we can hunger. You see, the Bible says, he that hunger and test, he shall be filled. There is something we should test for. There is something we should be hungry about. There is still a place for us to move into. The land to be conquered is still available. We are yet to enter into the territory God has for us. I can't be preaching with this kind of body and be excited. No, 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 no. This is still the body of corruption. It's not needed in the scheme of things that God wants. Not this body. What I'm saying is prophetic. I've not come into the experience of it. But I need it. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm talking about? To round up, don't get it wrong. 120, blow the trumpet, tabernacles. The glory came to the temple. Are you see that? 120 sounded in the upper room with one voice, one spirit. The whole creation came. Harvest took place. People begin to give their life to God because they spoke with one tongue. Another language. Not the language that people got to know before. They spoke another language. People begin to understand. God was broadcasting. I tell you, a season and a time is coming. When the real message, don't tell me people will not understand. As you proclaim it, people are going to receive it. A hunger is already in the heart of people. And God is going to raise a community of people that will showcase what God has in mind for his future. It could be your turn. It could be your season. You could be among the 120. God is calling you tonight. 